Um, so I'm just going to say, let's pray and go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I have just been blessed by this church so much, and it's I'm thankful for the connection that my husband has with you guys because I don't know that I would know you otherwise, but it's just been a blessing to be here. Every time we get to come, um, it's been just an encouragement to my heart, and so I'm hoping today what I have to share with you will be an encouragement to your heart as well. Um, we're going to turn to Hebrews 11 because our topic is being faithful. We're going to read a couple verses and then I'll pray. Um, and I don't know how long I'm going to go. I'm going to try to be real short, but we shall see. Um, I have a lot of notes and I was reading through it last night and I was like, Lord, this is way too long. Can you just help me pare it down? So um, some of what I have in my notes has already been said by other people. So maybe we'll just be able to glide through those passages really quickly, okay? But God has prepared each of us to speak in a different way, but a lot of it has the same theme running through it, which is just really cool. Because the key to being anything good in this life is really found in God's word and clinging to him. So let's look at Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump down to verse 6 as well. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's pray really quick. Lord, you know that there's so many thoughts going around in my mind right now, and I'm sure that these ladies are feeling like they have been fed well from your word today. I pray that you would help us to be able to focus in this last session that we have, that you would, um, Lord, remove me and just speak through me, but allow me not to be a distraction, Lord. Help me to be able to think clearly and to speak clearly. Help me to be correct in what I say, and Lord, help me to even be interesting in my presentation. I pray that you would just um, help us to be able to put away distractions of the world that are no doubt clinging uh, to us right now and trying to get into our thoughts so that we can give full focus to your word. And I pray that you would help us to be an encouragement to those that we go out and uh, minister with after this, that you would help us to be courageous and to be victorious and to be strong and to be faithful. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I don't know if, like me, you have maybe experienced something in your life where that song, you know, it said, when your world starts to fall apart. Um, I think there's a lot of people that have been in that boat. If not before, you know, this last year, some of them have had their boat rocked in the last year and a half, two years. Um, my boat sure got rocked when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And um, I can tell you on this side of cancer that God is faithful. And I could have told you during that trial that God is faithful, but man, experiencing a, your, your life being flipped upside down like that and being able to learn about God through that, the only thing I can tell you is God is worth glorifying and he is worth praising and he is always faithful. And so we need to strive to be faithful just like he is. Um, and it tells us in Hebrews 11 the importance of faith. So it said in verse 1, faith is a substance or the foundation of things hoped for, okay? That word substance there, I was like, I don't know what that means, the substance of things hoped for, that feels vague. A better word there is foundation. So it's faith gives us a really good foundation to be hopeful on. It's the evidence of things not seen. If you look at verse three, it tells us that faith is what allows us to understand that God created the world. If you don't believe Genesis 1-1, 
you're setting yourself up for a really hard time having faith. You know, the Bible tells us that the very first verse, verse that God created the heaven and the earth. And man, if you don't believe that, you don't have a foundation for faith. It says that right here in Hebrews 11. I had not made that connection before, but it's there. We know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He just spoke them into existence so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And then verse six is kind of our keystone verse that I want to talk about today. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So my point number one, it takes faith to please God. Without faith, we can't please him. Why is that? Because we have to have faith to come to him. It says, he that cometh to God must, first of all, believe that he is. The second thing we have to believe is that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And man, a lot of us believe that God exists, but do we live like we believe he rewards those who diligently seek him? I don't know about you. I have a Bible that's sitting right there. And um, through my college years, I got saved when I was 16 years old in high school. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. I was in a Christian home, but I didn't make my relationship with God personal until I was 16 years old. And um, I didn't really have a love for God's word at that time. Um, in college, I got to where I had some consistency in my Bible reading, but it, it was more of like a scheduled checklist item. And I enjoyed it, but it was a, you know just kind of a to-do list item. And um, when I became a young adult, is kind of like just honestly within the past five, six years is when God has really just driven home to me the importance of his word in all of this. And that is where we diligently seek him is through his word. Yes, we need to be in church. That is important. Fellowshipping with God is important. But if you aren't diligently seeking him outside of church, well, if you're not seeking him outside of church, you're not diligently seeking him, okay? He rewards those who diligently seek him. So let's do that. Let's make sure we diligently seek him. Um, if you read the rest of Hebrews 11, you're going to see a whole long list of people. We're not going to do it for the sake of time. But I'm going to tell you just some of the highlights in, those chap or in this chapter of the cool things that God allowed these people to do by faith. It says, Abel offered the right sacrifice by faith. We know that he got killed by his brother for that, but God rewarded him. God blessed him for that. You think death is, does not sound like a blessing. Well, heaven sure is a blessing, isn't it? Um, Enoch was translated and did not see death. We know that Enoch was there and then he was gone. God just took him. Noah, by faith, built the ark. Noah never saw rain and he just said, I don't know what you're talking about, God, but yeah, I'll obey. I'll do that. Abraham is commended for multiple things throughout this chapter. He went when God called him. He went out by faith. He left his home not knowing where he was going and just said, I will follow God. He sojourned in a promised land. He offered up Isaac. Verse 19 tells us that he, he offered him up, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That's not something that we see in the Genesis account of when Abraham offered Isaac. But he, he said right here, you know what? I know that my God is powerful enough to raise up this son that he has promised me. So I'm just going to do what he told me to do. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to obey what he has called me to do. That's powerful faith, is it not? Being willing to sacrifice your only son. That has been the promised one that you've been waiting and you've messed up a few times. You know, Ishmael was not the promised son. That was not the way God said to do it. Um, but he chose to offer Isaac and God rescued him from having to actually murder his own son, but he was willing to do it by faith. 
Um, there's a few other people listed. Moses is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. His parents are commended but, um, for hiding him for three months. Moses also is commended because it says he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter, or sorry, Pharaoh's son, um, when he was of age, and he chose instead to suffer with the Israelites. He had a pretty posh life set up for him, and he chose to not take advantage of that because he had faith in God. He forsook Egypt. He kept the Passover, which was so important to be able to rescue those Israelites and for Pharaoh to understand the judgment of God. Um, the Israelites are commended. They aren't mentioned by name, but they're commended because they passed through the Red Sea on dry land and they obeyed and the walls of Jericho fell. Those things took faith for them to accomplish. The, if you read the account of the walls tumbling in Jericho, I think all of us would be going on day six. Why are we doing this again? This does not. This has not worked any day. Why are we out here? I don't get what's going on. You know, my my six or my seven-year-old daughter would probably be like, "No, I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. We're done." And I would be right there with her. But the Israelites said, "No, I know that this is what God has told us to do, and we just have to obey Him in faith." And look what He did on day seven, right? Um, Rahab is commended in this list. She's not somebody that I would put on my list of people to emulate, but her faith is worth emulating. God called her out for that. Um, if you look, there's Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. These people did amazing things for God because of faith. At the very end of the chapter, though, God doesn't end with those victorious stories. Um, verses 36 through 38, he also says, and others had trials. These involved cruel mockings, scourgings. They were in bonds and imprisoned. They were stoned. Some were sawn apart. They were tempted. They were killed by the sword. They wandered about in rags because they were destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And I love the phrase that says there, the world was not worthy of them. When we have faith, we can go through those things and it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know what's coming in my lifetime. I have been um, kind of, you know, like the last year COVID was crazy and then politics are crazy and I'm not gonna talk about it because I know Joy doesn't wanna talk about it, so we're not gonna talk about politics. Um, but seriously, I, I felt there were, there were days where I was like, God, I don't get what you're doing. And it feels like my world is changing and it's never gonna be the same again. And I don't know what's coming down the pike. I don't know if my children are going to see persecution. I don't know if I'm going to see persecution. But I can look at this chapter here in the Bible and say, if I just have faith in God, and I just do what is right, and I just obey his word, I will be able to go through those things. Because my God is bigger than me being thrown in prison. My God is bigger than anything I can think of that would go wrong in my life. And so I just have to choose to trust him. Okay, so that's Hebrews 11. That's like, woo, awesome stuff. That's not where we're going to stop today. <laughs> we're going to look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 6 really quick. And then we're going we to, we're talking about faith right now, but we're also going to talk about faithfulness, which faith is an element of faithfulness in case you didn't know that. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 6 says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, these people that we just talked about, these are all witnessing what we're doing in heaven. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Those verses, especially the first few there, are so encouraging to me. Um, we're called to lay aside the weights. We're called to lay aside the sin. And I feel like there's a distinction there that God is trying to make. We know, hey, we got to put off sin. And then there are some things that we like to hold on to that we would say, but it's not sin. It's not wrong for me to do this. But is it the best thing for you to do? Lay it aside. If it is not promoting the kingdom of heaven, if it is not um, an avenue for you to share the gospel with other people, just lay it aside. That doesn't mean that we can't enjoy some things. You know, Donna was telling me about how her, and she shared it with us, how her grandson was able to witness to somebody because he was gaming. You know, if I played video games all day, it would not be a good thing. Like, I would be hanging on to some weights there. Um, but if he's using it as an avenue to share the gospel, he's turning it into a good thing, isn't he? Surely he is. Um, so we just want to make sure that we lay aside the weights and the sins. And our our main objection is to, or our main object is to look unto Jesus, because he's the beginning and the ending of our faith, and he has suffered so much. And if we just look at him, man, it's a lot easier to be faithful. If we're looking around at the world, it's going to be really hard. But if we're looking at Jesus, it's so easy. I can rejoice in Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, those first verses, because I realized that the same God that those people served is the same God that I serve. Hebrews 11, is a, it lists heroes of the faith for us, but it's not about those people. It's about God. And if you look at it and you think, oh, I need to study those people, okay, go study their stories, but make sure you're looking for God in those stories, because that is what gives us hope. Their humanity is it gives us a little bit of like, hey, that's cool because they're a human and I'm a human, but it's God's power that is able to make somebody stay faithful in impossible circumstances. Okay, so we're going to switch now. To be, or in, it takes faith to be faithful. That's my point too, okay? So I know it sounds like, duh, Audrey, it takes faith to be faithful, um, but I wanted to set us up with that foundation. We're going to define faithfulness really quick, and I did not look in anybody's, like, I didn't look in the dictionary for this. I used Hebrews 11.1 1 to kind of come up with my definition of faithfulness. So this is Audrey speaking. This is not in the Bible, but it is based on the Bible. Um, so my definition of faithfulness is that I continue to do right without having to see or understand what's going on around me. That's when I feel like I'm being faithful. If I just continue to do right, without having to see or understand what's going on around me. We said that faith was the foundation of things hoped for. So when I'm being faithful, there's an element of hope that's there. And that's so helpful to just do the right thing that I know to do, right? Um, it's not a drudgery to be faithful. If it feels like a drudgery, go back to the source of your faith and say, am I believing that God really is who he says he is? And am I believing that he will reward me if I diligently seek him? Because when we believe those things and we do seek him, then our faith should be a hopeful thing and not a drudgery. 
there are some things, there are three things that I think are very important in this faithfulness. So um, I'm able to respond trusting God because I believe that God knows what is best. I believe that God does what is best. And I believe that he should be the one in charge. And those are all three important things for my brain. Bernie talked um, last session about how important it is to get our thoughts in line. I don't know how many times I have used Philippians 4.8 and 2 Corinthians 10.5 in my own life to say, hey, I got to cast down those imaginations. I got to get rid of them. And I got to bring my thoughts into obedience to Christ. And these Philippians 4.8 gives us the things we're supposed to think about. And she went through that list for us. Um, that is, yes, it's a battle of your mind. And a lot of times when we are starting to uh, when we, are, when we are kind of faltering in our walk with God, we're doubting something about him. We're believing a lie of Satan, um, that God doesn't love us, or God isn't the best one to be in charge, or whatever it is. Um, so as we continue on, we're talking about faithfulness. And man, faithfulness can be hard, can't it? Because we live in a fallen world, and we are still sinners. None of us have been, we have, you know, if you're a Christian, you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Um, but we are not in heaven yet, and that's why we can look forward to heaven, because we get to be with Jesus, but we also get to get rid of sin, and that'll be a wonderful day. Faithfulness can be hard, because there's um, a lot of things that are kind of competing for our our emotions, I guess, um, and we are kind of emotional beings, and so a lot of times we live based on feelings rather than based on truth. Um, so I'm, I thought of three things that kind of compete against faithfulness, in my mind, I'm sure there's more, and hopefully one of these applies to you. Maybe not all of them do, but hopefully one does. Discouragement or weariness and well-doing. That's something a lot of, I think a lot of ministry folks um, can understand well. It is hard to be faithful when you're discouraged. It's hard to be faithful when you have this weariness because you just feel like you have been doing well. Um, the question that I am asking myself when I, when I start to get discouraged I, I question and I say, does he really do what is best? You know, I said there's three things that I believe. I believe that he knows what is best, does what is best, and should be the one in charge. And so when I'm discouraged, I'm tempted a lot of times to say, does he really do what is best? Because this sure doesn't feel like the best thing for me right now. I don't know that he does what is best. Um, can I give you some verses to compete that thought with? Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. I got kids, and they have boundless energy, but even they get tired. And the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. God is the endless source for you when you feel weary. God never gets weary. He never has to take a nap. He is always there, ready to listen, and he wants to listen to you. He wants to have fellowship with you. Um, so when you are battling discouragement, please remember Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Romans 8, 28 is another excellent verse. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the, called according to his purpose. Um, my pastor's wife makes this wonderful distinction, which I love. It doesn't say all things work together for good, period. 
No, it says all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. So when you're facing a trial, how do you get access to that promise? You love God. You continue to work to be transformed into the image of his son. That's his purpose for you, is to become more like Christ. So if you want all things to work out for good, you need to choose to love God. And when you do that, it doesn't mean that life becomes a bed of roses. It means that you will see God in the trials. You will see God in the good things. But God is there, and his definition of good may be different than my definition of good, but if I choose to love him, I will see that he is good, and I will be convinced that he is good. Um, Psalm 84.11 and Psalm 34.10 are very similar verses in my mind. Psalm 84.11 says, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 34.10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. I don't know how many times I went back to these verses when I was praying for a husband. And I said, okay, Lord, you promise that you will not withhold any good thing from me if I am walking uprightly. So I have to come to the conclusion that either I am not walking uprightly right now, or this is just not a good thing at this time. And I have to just be willing to trust that your timing is the best timing for me. Um, I have thought that about other things in my life, not just my husband. Um, But he is a good thing that God did bring at just the right time. Um, But man... You just have to trust that God is not going to withhold something good from you. He loves to give you lavish gifts. He loves to give you benefits and blessings. And sometimes that comes in the form of your child getting diagnosed with cancer. Can I tell you, the most gracious and kind thing God has ever done for me was give my daughter cancer. Because I learned so much about God in that time. And I'm thankful she's healed, and I'm thankful that we kept her. But man, I learned so much about my God, and I would not trade that for the world. It was a gracious and loving God that gave my daughter cancer. And there are multiple people in my family that are affected. Um, He didn't just do it for me. He did it for all of us so that we would know his love even better without cancer. So discouragement is one thing that battles against faithfulness. Pride is another thing that battles against faithfulness. Can I be honest with you? This is my struggle. Pride. Um, I am also like Mrs. Lynn in the fact that I feel like I'm a strong woman and I can do things on my own. Thank you very much. Um, And I, I am thankful for a God who lovingly has showed me that dependence on him is a really good thing. And I will get grace when I choose to be humble that I won't get when I choose to be proud. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I wrote it down for a different section, but it fits really well here. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. My understanding is (laughs) limited, right? And so when I think that God is not doing what he should be doing, that's pride. When I think that I have something in my life that I don't deserve, God, so get rid of it, please, that's pride. But the humble response would say, you know what, my understanding doesn't think that this is a good thing or an important thing or, you know, whatever, Um, but God has made it important and and he wants me to focus on this right now, so I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. Instead, I'm going to trust in him with all my heart and I'm going to seek him with all my heart whatever the trial may be. 
That's the humble response. That gives us access to grace. We talked about James 4, 6 through 7 um, with Miss Bernie's session, and she said, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee with you. Hey, if you want grace, remember, God resists the proud. He is not going to give grace to the proud. So when you look at him and say, how dare you, God? He's not going to give you grace to get through your trial. But when you look at him and say, I need help. I don't understand this. You're God and I am not. Can you please help me? That's a response he loves to give grace for. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 remind us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For (laughs) as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is a vast difference between my thoughts and God's thoughts, and his ways are infinitely better. The story of Jochebed, ladies, she got paid to nurse her son. Like, God worked it out. All of the babies were supposed to be dying. All of the, all of the male babies were supposed to be dying. God put the exact right person who could you know, who was like wrapped around daddy's finger, I don't know, or had daddy wrapped around her finger, put the right person there to rescue Moses. And then Jochebed was paid to take care of him for a few years. That's a plan that I would not come up with, but that's a really good plan. (laughs) His ways are better than my ways. If you don't believe me, read the Old Testament. All over the Old Testament are stories of how God's ways are just better and more creative than anything I could come up with. Um, The question that I'm asking when I'm struggling with pride, should he really be in charge? That's the question that I'm asking. So I'm doubting if he should be the one in charge. That's a proud response. Yes, God should always be the one in charge. So when you, if you find yourself questioning that or struggling with something that God has put in your life and saying, I don't want this here. You need to get rid of it. Recognize that as pride and then quickly turn to humility to access his grace that he gives. The third thing is fear. And I think this is a big thing for a lot of women. I would not say that I struggle with fear very much, um, but I can can go down the worst case scenario road pretty quickly. Um, My mom used to do that all the time, and I was like, I don't understand why she does that. And then I had babies, and I was like, oh, all these things could go wrong with them. I don't know if you have ever been holding a child and you picture yourself tripping with that child those i when i was carrying my babies around that used to be like a recurring i don't even know a recurring thing that would happen in my head and i was like i'm not going to fall with them why am i doing this throws a little panic in you right um i'm not somebody who normally struggles with fear but there are a lot of things going on in our world right now that could make us fear um, so the questions that I'm, that I'm asking when I'm struggling with fear are, does he really know best? Does he really know best? And can he really do what is best? So I'm questioning his knowledge, and I'm also questioning his sovereignty and his power. Um, can he really do what he says? Those are dangerous questions to have. Now, the questions, the answers to those questions are pretty obvious if I know God's word. All right? And yes, he does know what is best. And yes, he can do what is best. So don't fear. 
Uh, Miss Bernie also shared Philippians 4, 6 through 8 with us. I'm going to read it again because these are some of my favorite verses in the whole entire Bible. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. When you are tempted to be fearful, God's answer is right here. Pray to him with a thankful heart and turn your cares over to him. And it says there is a peace that passes all understanding and it will guard your heart, and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. When you follow the pattern that God sets up in Scripture, He answers His promises. When you are fearful, do this. I can tell you it works. If you want to hear stories later, I can tell you it works. God gives a peace that passes all understanding. There's also, excuse me, there's also some comfort for fear. Okay, so that's, that was instruction, right? We had a little bit of instruction there and what to do with fear, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Now we find some comfort in the scripture. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So I, I can tell you the times I tend to be most fearful are when I'm scrolling Facebook or when I'm watching the news. Um, you know, those are times where I'm like, Ugh, this world is not headed in a good direction. Well, my mind is not stayed on Christ at those times. So you know what helps me if I pray, if I turn to my Bible? Um, yes, I'm selling verse cards at my table because I have found that putting scripture in front of my face is one of the best things I can do. I have a letter board in my house that I have a verse on and it's been there for a long time because I love it. I have, um, a you know, pictures that have verses on them throughout my house because I want to not have to look far to find truth. And hey, guess what? We all have phones right now. I bet most of you have access to a Bible on your phone. You always have the truth with you. And you know what's really convicting? We have it, but we don't access it. And if we had none of these available to us, how much have you stored in your heart? that you would be able to access without God's word being visible in front of you. We need to be hiding God's word in our heart. I like to say that the Holy Spirit speaks the language of scripture um, because the more I put in, the more often the Holy Spirit brings scripture to mind. Like when I'm getting angry with my husband because he's late for dinner or something. And I'm starting to get upset and the verse pops into mind, hey, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're right, it doesn't. I, If I really am trying to be a helper to my husband or whatever, my anger has no place in that spot. And that's just one example of how the Holy Spirit can use scripture in your life. So please start hiding it away. Um, he's also given us the Holy Ghost. So John 14 verses 26 or 27, I'm not gonna read them to you, but the Holy Ghost is our comforter. He brings us peace, a peace that the world cannot offer, but a peace that we have access to through the Holy Spirit. 
Um, John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We already know who wins. We're just kind of waiting for the return. Um, and if you're like me, I have started praying a lot more <laughs> for the return of Christ. Anytime, Lord, anytime. I told my daughters that the other day, and they're like, but we need to go to SeaWorld first. <laughs> we were in San Diego last week, and I'm like, I know, honey, I know, but really, if he came back, I think we would all be okay with it. We, we, you know, we'd have a better view of the whales anyways. I don't know. Um, so yes, I am looking forward to the return of Christ. I hope you are too. One of the most gracious things that God can do for us is to take our worst fear and actually walk through it with us. And I can testify that God took me through one of my worst fears, and he is faithful and he is gracious in that. Okay, this is my last point, but I do have a little bit in Psalm 119 that we might get to. Um, The key to faithfulness, so really quick, two things. The key to faithfulness is to seek God. We do this by giving God's word priority. Every single session that we have had has talked about the benefit of God's word. And ladies, if you have not grasped grasped the benefit of God's word, you are missing out. It needs to be a part of your life daily. You need to be in it daily. Can I just take a side moment here? Um, there, there are people who would say, and I think rightly so, you need to come up with a plan you need to try to have like a designated spot that you can do this in because it helps to aid that consistency and to be able to get into the habit. But please don't use that as an excuse to not get into God's word. If you say, well, I can't sit in my recliner that I normally sit in today and read God's word at the normal time I read it. Okay, bring him into the chaos with you. You have the Bible on your phone or you have, you know, get a cheapo Bible from the dollar store or something that you don't mind beating up, keep it in the kitchen with you. Um, I don't remember some great person, spiritual person, their mom used to sit and like she would just throw a tea towel over her head and like read her Bible in the middle of the chaos. I don't remember who it is, so I can't, I can't credit who it is. But um, if that needs to be what you do on some days, do it. Don't use the excuse that, well, I can't follow my normal pattern. It's more important for you to just be in God's word, okay? Now, try to make the pattern the regular because you'll be you'll get a lot out of God's word when you can set aside the time for it. But if you got to bring him into the chaos, bring him into the chaos. He would love to join you there. That's my side note. So give God's word priority. The second thing is to obey God's word. So love God's word and do God's word. That's, that's really the key to faithfulness. Um, 2 Timothy 3 verses 14 through 17 say, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. I'm also going to put a plug in here for reading through the entirety of your Bible. And you may say, I don't want to read about all the genealogies, and I don't want to read about all of the things in Levitical law, and I don't want to read about all the details of the tabernacle. All scripture is given by God, and it is all profitable 
Um, I was reading this morning, no, it was last night when I got back to the hotel, and you know, Charity was talking about the ephod. My reading for yesterday was about the ephod, and she talked about it, and I was like, this is so cool that I'm reading about the ephod, and we just talked about it tonight. And then, um, you know, Melanie said she was so beside herself when she had this terrible news come in on Monday, and she's like, Haggai, I don't want to be in Haggai. And God had something specific for her in Haggai that day. God's word is living and powerful, and you don't know where you're going to find encouragement. You may find encouragement in some Levitical law that you read somewhere. But can I tell you, if you just trust God at his word, he says it's all profitable. So you just believe that it's all profitable, and you read all of it. Make it a lifelong pursuit. Try to read through the Bible every year, and then you'll gain more every single year. And there may be a point where you fall in love with the Old Testament that you never thought you could fall in love with. I sure did. I love the Old Testament. I used to live in the New Testament in Psalms, and I love the Old Testament. It is so full of amazing stories about God. Read the whole Bible. And then it says to continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. You got to know the Bible, and you got to do the Bible, okay? That's how we are faithful. Um, One thing that my Bible reading does, this is the very last thing. Um, One thing that my Bible reading does, the plan that I was on for the past few years, it starts with Psalm 119 and it ends with Psalm 119. And why would they do that? What do we think of when we think of Psalm 119? Throw it out. Yep, it's the longest chapter. So they say, we're going to gear you up. You're going to read the longest chapter. No, that's not why they do it. But it is the longest chapter. What else do we know about Psalm 119? What? Yes, it is about his word. It's also a really cool poem that if you're into that type of thing and you knew Hebrew and you could like read it in the Hebrew, it's laid out in a very crafty way. Um, But yes, they have us read it because it's all about God's word and the benefits that you find in God's word. We're not going to read all 176 verses. You can find God's word mentioned in almost every single verse, and it talks about wonderful benefits. I am going to highlight a few verses that have been very special to me. There are also some verses that I have just um, like circled in my Bible as wonderful prayers. A lot of those are found in Psalm 119. Lord, help me to love your law. Help me to seek it. Um, but I'm just going to share with you a few verses. So Psalm 119, if you want to turn there, you can. We're going to read the first 11 verses, and then we're going to skip through a few more Psalm 119.1 says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They don't sin. What? They walk in his ways. Hey, if you don't want to sin, stay in God's word. You will still sin. But if you're in God's word, you will sin less. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. And these are really familiar verses to us in verses 9 through 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hey, we all are going to struggle with sin until we get to heaven. But if we can hide God's word in our hearts, there's a promise there. 
I'm doing it so that I won't sin. Why? Because the Holy Spirit speaks the language of Scripture. So when you're faced with temptation, when Christ was faced with temptation, he shared Scripture back. Scripture is powerful. Hide it in your heart. Seek God with it. Um, Let's skip down to verse 73 and 75, 73 through 75. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. The psalmist is saying, you have given me some unpleasant things because of your faithfulness and I understand that. And I'm just going to keep seeking you because I know your word and I believe your word. And so I'm going to do your word. God's word is vital to living a Christian life that is successful and um, something that other people could look at and say, hey, I want to be like that person because there's something different about them. You have to stay in God's word. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Psalm 119, 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. If you were here last year, I believe... Beneth may have, that may have been one of the verses that she shared. That verse has been instrumental in changing my entertainment choices because guess what? When you feast on garbage, you don't enjoy salad, right? Um, so if I am filling my life and my and I'm sitting in front of a TV or a computer or whatever, and I'm filling my life with garbage, I'm not going to love God's word. It's going to be kind of a drudgery when I have to go to it. But when I decide to change my diet... When I decide that I esteem all his precepts concerning all things to be right, and I choose to hate every false way, God's word is going to become more precious to me. I've cut out a lot of entertainment in my life because of that verse. Because I just say, you know what, this is a false way. And if I say I hate it, I can't sit here and watch it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to get rid of it. It's not worth it. My last verse to share is Psalm 119, 165, which says, Great peace, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That word offend is more like a stumbling block principle, not like, oh, you made me mad. Um, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you want to be a strong Christian, you got to love God's word. you got to love it. you got to be in it. you got to seek it. I have on my phone screen... uh, a a quote that says, if Christ be anything, he must be everything. And the more I see it, the more I'm like, it's so true. Like, I say that Christ is something to me, but have I made him everything to me? If I believe that he is, and I believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, I'm going to work to seek him, and I'm going to make him everything in my life. In order to be faithful, we have to believe that he is and believe he rewards those who diligently seek him. Ladies, I hope that this has been a great challenge to you, this whole conference. I hope that you will leave wanting to be a faithful Christian, wanting to be courageous and encouraged and victorious and strong. All of those things are made possible when we are seeking the Lord and when we are in his word. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this time away that you have given us. I thank you for the ladies who um, have put an extra effort to not only make this conference happen, um, but to make it really fun. And um, just the work that has gone into it, Lord, we can't even begin to comprehend all of that. I pray that you would be with the ladies who have 
left families at home in order to be here. I pray that you would um, help their homes to be in good condition when they get back, that their families would be ready to have them back, and that you would just encourage us all as we head to church tomorrow, Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We pray that you would help us to love it and to love all of it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.